to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us, for your love towards us. We thank you, Father, for the depth of love that pursued us. And we love you and honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to be back with you at Park District. I uh, have the privilege of preaching it on Father's Day for my son, so uh, I'm glad for that. I, uh, I want to just say a couple of things before we get into the Word today in regard to Father's Day, because I, I think a lot of times we have to understand that... that um, Father's Day is about a whole lot more than just, you know, a hallmark moment, okay? Uh, it's, not, it's not just about buying cards and, you know, just having some nice things to say about our earthly fathers, as great as that is and as important as that is. But really, when we celebrate Father's Day and to the same degree we celebrate Mother's Day, what we're really celebrating are aspects of the character and the nature of God, okay? That's what we're really celebrating. Moms, just like Dads, there are aspects of our character and our nature that are we're, we're drawing from Him. And the perfect mother is one that has a, a, a clear relationship with God the Father. A perfect father, the one that has the perfect relationship with God the Father. So, very important that we understand that. That this is not just about celebrating a nice day, you know, once a year where we honor our earthly father. But we're really looking at the aspects of what makes a great father, what makes a great mother. Uh, the Bible says this, that we were created in God's image, okay, and in His likeness. And uh, so everything we draw, when we, to- we celebrate, we're celebrating good- the goodness of God. So I want to ask you to direct your attention to a verse of Scripture out of Romans chapter 8. And I want to just talk for a little bit about the Father heart of God. The Father heart of God. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, thrill we have of knowing the goodness of God. And some of you today, like Michael rightly said, some of you may have not had good earthly fathers. Some of you may have poor images of a father. Uh, God wants to replace that. God the Father wants to replace that. He wants to heal your heart in that regard. He wants to give to you a clear understanding of what He, the perfect Father, is really like. This is actually the third Father's Day that I have without my earthly father, and I was blessed to have an amazing earthly father, one who taught me the ways of God, both in His character and His lifestyle, and taught me to seek God and follow God. But maybe that was not your story. Maybe you have a completely different story. And uh, many people live today with what is characterized as the father wound, okay? So they they live their life with this sense of that they are less than because they have leftover wounds from poor relationships with dad. And I want to tell you something. If that's your story today, that doesn't mean that's got to be the rest of your life story. 
God is a healer. He is the healer of broken hearts. He's the restorer of shattered dreams and shattered lives. That's our Father. How awesome the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure, as Michael sang today. It's so absolutely incredible. And this is a love from the Father of heaven who pursues us. He chases after us. Listen, you weren't seeking him. He was seeking you. You didn't find him. He took hold of you and woke you from your deadness in sin and made you alive. And suddenly you became aware of how great his love was for you. Come on, can you give Jesus a hand clap of thanks today? That's the God we serve. What a good God. What a good God. So Romans chapter 8 I, uh, beginning at verse 15, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so important, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Now, notice that in that word, that word spirit is capitalized. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, okay? We're not talking about this kind of general attitude uh, we call spirit. We're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. So, the spirit you received, the person you received, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we might, may also share in His glory. Now, let me just pause for a moment and, and talk about that last verse just for a second. What is he talking about? You sharing in his sufferings. The Bible says this, if any man will follow me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Okay? Obey him. Listen, if you're going to go after God, there is a laying down of your own will in your own life in order to embrace the God life. All right? And that's what he's talking about when he's talking about sharing in his sufferings. He's not talking about some kind of abusive life here on planet earth that you have to grind your way through in order to prove your love for God. That's not what that is at all, but it's simply a willingness to lay down your own will and life in order to follow Christ. And the Bible says that when you do that, you experience what Paul refers to as the power of his resurrection. And you will only know the power of the resurrected life to the degree that you lay down your own life. Okay? You see, when you're willing to lay down your own life, you embrace now the resurrected life. And God wants to bring us all into a resurrected life. We know the power of God in the resurrection, of uh, uh, the resurrected life. And so that's what he's referring to. But I want to emphasize today that passage, that part of that passage where it says that, that by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. We're talking about the Father heart of God. Now, there, there are many, many names that God is known by in the Scripture. Anybody venture a guess how many names the, the Bible refers to, names and titles that the Bible refers to as God? Nearly 1,000, nearly 1,000 differing names and titles that God is known by, 953 to be exact. 
names and titles throughout the Scripture that God the Father is known by. And every one of those names are important. Why? Why are names important? You know, when you read the Bible, you, you, you see uh, various aspects um, of the character and the nature every time there's a name. In fact, when, when God would refer to people, He would say their name would be. And He would also put a name. Why? Because when you're declaring the name, you're actually declaring a, the character of the individual. And so, just like it is with, with people, it is with God, is that names denote a portion of the character. And what we have in the Scripture is a progressive revelation of who God is. Now, I want to make a couple of points by introduction here because the character and the nature of God is so critical that we understand who He is. And to the very same degree that you have a revelation, it is to that same of who God is, it is to that same degree that you will walk in freedom. Okay? If you've got bondage in your life, it's because there's a lack of revelation of who God is. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free, set you free. Revelation produ produces a, and I'm not just talking about natural understanding, revelation produces a natural freedom in our life. It, it unlocks us. We now start seeing who God is, and when we see and understand who God is, we can see and understand who we are to be. All right? And so, this book is a progressive revelation of who God is. Now, he starts out in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You know that verse? In the beginnings God created the heavens and the earth. Now that word God, we read the word God in English, in our English Bible, again and again and again, and we pretty much think the same thing. But every time you, know, you, you see that word God, there are multiple different Hebrew uh, and, and Aramaic uh, names of God. And every one of those names is different. Now, in this, in this particular passage, in Genesis, he begins with, in the beginning, God. And the Greek word is Elohim. Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim. Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Now, that name, Elohim, is important. It is the name that we, uh, it, it, it literally means the creator God. It is the creator God. It is the supreme God, all right? That's what that word Elohim means. Now, how many of you know if that is you, the extent of the revelation you have of God, you don't really know very much about God, all right? You, 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 you think of God as distant, way out there. He, you know, yeah, He, he is uh, very, very much like He makes stuff, but He's really not connected to stuff. That was the revelation that many of the deists had, you know? The, the, some of the founders of our nation were deists, and they, they, had a, they had an understanding of God that God, w He wound up the universe like a clock. He created it. He made it, but He left it alone after that. 
Well, that's a very limited understanding of who God is. If that's your understanding of who God is, then you don't think God cares about you. You don't think God cares about what you're walking through and the mess that God, the mess that you've made of your life, that God would be disconnected from you in that. Elohim, Elohim. It's a limited revelation of who God is. And so you see that again and again in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, Elohim said, in the beginning, Elohim said, he, he creates the heavens and the earth. Elohim says, let there be light. Elohim, every time you see that in Genesis chapter 1, he's talking about Elohim, the, distant, the supreme creator God, somewhat distant and removed, certainly not the relational God, okay? But it's interesting as you begin to read through the Bible, you come to a fuller and fuller picture of who God actually is. And again, to the degree that we have revelation, it is to that same degree that we have freedom. To the degree that we have revelation, it is to that same degree that we experience the life of God. And so, it's not enough for you just to have a revelation of God as Elohim. So, by Genesis chapter 6, he, he has created man early on in, in, in Genesis, and, and then you read on through to from verse, uh, chapter 6 all the way through verse nine, uh, chapter 9. And then in chapter 9, you, he, he, he's making covenants. In chapter 9, he makes a covenant with Noah. And he begins to reveal another aspect of his character and his nature. Uh, this is so important. I'm going somewhere with this. He begins to... to, to, to put forth another aspect that He's not just the Creator God, a distant God, disconnected from your life, doesn't care or has no concern about what you walk through. He now reveals Himself in the ninth chapter to Noah. He makes a covenant. Now, He's already made one covenant when man fell. Remember? Man falls and He kills uh, animals to provide covering. Man was naked, and he provided. Well, it's a picture, really, of salvation. That God provides covering, but he doesn't. He didn't give the full understanding or the full uh, revelation. He just showed one more aspect of his heart, one more little uh, side of his nature. That God cares about us. That God's concerned about us. That God wants to deal with the weaknesses of our human condition. That when we mess up, that God doesn't say, okay, you messed up, I'm wiping you out. But He fixes us up. He cleans us up. That's the God that we serve. So He starts revealing aspects. And in the ninth chapter, God says this to Noah, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a covenant. And in the remainder of the book of Genesis, you'll see picture after picture of God making covenant. By the 12th chapter, he comes along to a man named Abram, and he ends up making a covenant with Abram. And on through that, that book of Genesis, he talks about, he, he speaks of covenant, but he doesn't give himself a name. But by Exodus... He gives himself another name. So he's Elohim, the God, the creator God. But by Exodus chapter 
3, he comes along and he starts talking to Moses. Now, do you remember this story? In, in, in Genesis, I mean, in Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, God said to Moses, because Moses was, he gets sent. He said, remember, he sees the bush burning, it's, it's on fire. He's out in the desert, and uh, he hears a voice coming out of the bush, take off your shoes for, for your own holy ground. And this voice speaks to him and gives him a calling. It says, you're to go to Pharaoh, and you're to tell him to let my people go. And then Moses asked him a question. Who do I tell him sent me? Who do I say to Pharaoh sent me? Good question. When a voice starts talking to you out of bushes, you want to know who that voice is. He said, well, I'll tell you who. You tell them, I am that I am sent you. I am that I am sent you. And the God that is speaking there is a, a different revelation or understanding of who God is. And we're talking about a progressive unfolding or revelation of who God is. He starts out as the creator God, the distant supreme being God. Now he's moving closer to humanity. And he reveals himself now and gives himself the name Yahweh. Yahweh. Yahweh is different from Elohim. Elohim is the name of God, yes. But it is a distant God. A disconnected God, not involved in my life kind of God. Doesn't really care, not really that concerned about my life, God. But now he is Yahweh. Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. The covenant-keeping God. He's not just Elohim. He's the covenant-keeping God. In other words, He makes promises. He makes commitments. And He always keeps those commitments. Even when we mess up, hear me, even when we're not faithful, the Bible says He remains what? Faithful. You see, even when we don't carry out our side of the deal, God carries out His side of the deal. He's the covenant-keeping God. He's Yahweh. Yahweh. And He reveals Himself as Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. Now, that word Yahweh is an interesting word. Uh, we, we oftentimes will see it written as a technogram, which is literally just certain letters of that name Yahweh, because to the Hebrew mind, that name was so holy that they wouldn't even say it. And it's from that name, Yahweh, that we get the English word Jehovah. Jehovah. So whenever you see the word Jehovah, the name Jehovah, you, it is the same as Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. And you remember, now there begins to be these progressive revelations of who He is. He's not only just Elohim, the disconnected God, the Creator God. He is Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, or He is Jehovah. And he reveals more than just that he is a covenant-keeping God, but he gets very specific. He starts being Jehovah-Jireh, the covenant-keeping God who is your provider. He is Jehovah-Rapha, the covenant-keeping God who is your 
healer. He is a Jehovah Nisi, who is the covenant-keeping God, who is the Lord God, your banner of victory. Hallelujah. He is Jehovah Shalom, which literally means that he is the covenant-keeping God who always gives you peace, but it's more than peace. It literally means to bring you and I into a place of wholeness. You see, you have peace when you come into wholeness. That's what shalom is. Shalom is wholeness. And God is a covenant-keeping God who wants to bring out of his covenant, wholeness into your life and into my life. Oh, come on. Somebody give the Lord praise. He is Jehovah Reah, who is our shepherd. He's the covenant keeping God when you don't know which way to go. The, the, the word shepherd there literally means the way. That's why Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. Listen, when, you, when you're lost, how many of you know you need to find your what? Way. You need the gentle shepherd to come along. The covenant-keeping God. He is Jehovah Sid Canoe, the Lord God, our righteousness, who is the covenant-keeping God of our righteousness. That means when I mess up, I am so glad that God, my right standing with God is not based on what I do. If that's the case, I'm in a mess because I'm not good. I got problems. Anybody else have some issues? You know, I don't always do it right. But the Bible says this, Jesus has made unto me all wisdom. What? Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. I'm righteous not because I'm good. I'm righteous because he's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why we're called saints, not because we behave perfect, but because the perfect one has given to us his imputed righteousness. Hallelujah. You see, he is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord God, our, our covenant-keeping God, our righteousness. He is Jehovah Shammah, the covenant-keeping God who is our light but more than just light, it, he is present with us. He's with us. You see, so you start seeing these aspects of the character of God. Every time a different name is revealed, there's a different aspect of the character and the nature of God that's revealed. And Jesus, the Bible says, came to reveal who God is. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. That's why in John chapter 14, remember the disciples. Philip says this to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Show us the Father. Just show us what he's like, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So if you really want to know what God the Father is like, you look to Jesus. Jesus was the embodiment of who the Father was here on planet earth. And let me tell you, the greatest revelation, the greatest revelation of all of the names, and this is so profound when you really drill down on it, 
The greatest revelation of who God is is summed up in one word, and that word is Father. So God begins to give a revelation of who He is, starting in Genesis 1, and He moves right on through the book, revealing more and more and more of His character. It's like the curtain keeps rising. And you're, you're, you're getting fuller and fuller pictures until when Jesus comes along, you have this full revelation. And the full revelation is summed up in the name Father, but not just Father. <clears throat> because as soon as I say that name Father, immediately some image comes to mind. More than likely, it was an image tied to your earthly father. So if you had a great heavenly, a great earthly father, as soon as that name, you hear that name father, you think, man, I've had a great, I'm, God's a great daddy. But if you didn't have a great earthly father, then you also have an image that's connected there that God wants to break through. God wants to break through. Now let's look again at that passage that I read to you out of Romans. We're going to read it one more time. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Have any of you ever been to an orphanage? I, I, I remember a number of years ago, I went to an orphanage in Vietnam, and uh, I, uh, I, I'll never forget it. There was probably a couple hundred children there, and these children just started pouring out, and they would run up to you, and they would just grab you, and they would hold on to you, and they didn't want to let go of you. And what they were, there was this longing, will you take me home? Will you take me home? Take me with you? Let me tell you something. This longing, this cry, this cry is in the heart of humanity. That's what the whole world, there's this cry, this longing. Why? Because they have this, this orphan spirit. Okay? They, they, they've been bereft. They don't, they don't understand life because they don't have a, a clarity of who God the Father is so they never know who they are. That's why they're so messed up in the world. As soon as they start seeing who God the Father is, now they all of a sudden, I understand life. I understand me. I understand everything. It starts coming into alignment. And he says, we've, this Spirit has brought about our adoption to sonship. That's a family term, okay? Sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. That term is a profound term. It's used in several places in the Scripture, and it is literally the highest term that God has revealed Himself, and it literally means Daddy God. Daddy God. He starts out in Genesis 1 as Elohim, 
the creator God, the distant God, the supreme being God. He becomes the covenant-keeping God, and he begins to reveal aspects more and more of his character and his nature until he comes to the point where he reveals the ultimate picture of who he is, and he is Daddy God. Daddy God. Hey, you know, there's a big difference between Father and Daddy. Daddy. Daddy is who you run into, and it doesn't matter. I remember when my, our boys were growing up, and it didn't matter who was in my office. It didn't matter who I was talking to. didn't matter. I'm going to see Daddy. It didn't matter what my administrative assistant said. Your Daddy's busy. didn't matter. Why? I was Daddy. I'm going to Daddy. They'd come charging through the door, and they knew that any time, no matter who I was with, as soon as they came in, I was the, the most important person on the planet was them. That's the way Daddy is. That's the way Daddy God is to you. You're the most important person on planet Earth because He is your Daddy. The Spirit we've received doesn't cry out, distant Elohim, supreme creator God. The spirit we've received doesn't just cry out, covenant-keeping God, you just do stuff for me kind of God, but the kind of, the, the spirit we've received cries out, you're daddy, and I can't wait to embrace you, my daddy. My heart and everything on the inside of me is reaching out because you are daddy God. Come on. That's who he is. That's who he wants to be to every single one of us. So, Daddy, Daddy God, I got to move quickly through this. I want to give you just quickly three aspects. There's multiple aspects, but I'll give you three aspects of the character of Daddy God. First of all, Daddy God is responsive. Daddy God is responsive. In other words, when you cry, he doesn't ignore you. When, 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 when you have a need, he doesn't turn his back on you. He's not a distant, disconnected God, but one who's deeply engaged, emotionally invested, who wants to come to the aid of his children. That's who daddy is. That's the kind of God we serve. It doesn't matter what you're walking through. Have you ever been in a situation to where you had to have an answer? I was talking with Chad this morning. Where's Chad at? There he is right there in the middle. I was talking to Chad this morning. He said he'd been looking for his passport. Now, this, sounds, this, this, this is how detailed our daddy God is. Okay, he was, he was looking for his passport. He couldn't find his passport, and he wanted to go on the missions trip to El Salvador. And he said, I'm going to find my passport. And he looked everywhere and looked everywhere and looked everywhere. And finally, he just said, I don't know what to do. I don't know where my passport is, and I've got to have it. And he had this idea, why don't I pray? You ever been there? We run out of options, and then we say, I think we'll pray. <laughs> Maybe I ought to go to God with this. And so he says, God, I don't know where my passport is. Will you help me find my passport? And he says, I hear this phrase in my mind, black bag in the garage. 
Yeah. Who, who has Revelation's black bag in the garage? You don't just stir that up in your own heart and mind. But get, guess what? Daddy God's so involved with Chad's life that Daddy God wants him to find his passport, and Daddy knows where his passport is, so Daddy says, black bag in the garage. So Chad goes out to the garage, and there's five black bags. So he starts looking through the, well, God narrowed it down. Would you agree? So Daddy God narrowed it down, and he starts digging through the black bag, and there, there's his passport. He said, I don't even know how it got in this one. You see, that's the kind of God you and I serve. He is a responsive daddy God. He's not a daddy God that just ignores you. He's not a daddy God that says, I'm too busy to deal with you. I've got more important things to do than you. No, he's daddy. Let me tell you something. If it concerns you, it concerns daddy. If it matters to you, it matters to Daddy. That's God. That's the Father that we serve. I remember a number of years ago, I walked outside. The, we were raising our boys, and every one of our boys are different. Every one of them. I'm like, how in the world can two people have four so radically different kids? Every one of them different personality. And now, let me tell you what. It's funny because we named each one of our kids and we prayed about their names. His name is Justin. It means literally just and righteous. Just and righteous. I could tell you this about this guy sitting on the front row. If you speed with your car, he'll tap you on the back of your shoulder and say, you're speeding, you need to slow down. Whose kid is this? I had a heavier foot, and he used to tap me, and you're going too fast. Why? Because he's just and righteous, and he wants everything right. That's just who he is. Well, our oldest one, not so much. Our oldest one, listen, this one was, was the one who likes to live safe. Our oldest one was like the one who likes to live way crazy out there, and you're talking about risk-taking. I drove up on my yard one, one day uh, just to see him at the top of a pine tree. I hear this voice, Daddy, Daddy, watch this. He's in the top of a pine tree. This is Jordan I'm talking about, and there's a trampoline laying down on the ground 35 feet below him. I'm like, no, no. About that time, he goes, Lands on his back and bounces about another 20 feet in the air. When he was little, I remember walking out of the house and I heard this, Daddy! And he had climbed a tree next door and had slipped and fallen and was hanging probably 30 feet up in the air by his ankle. And he's screaming, Daddy! How do you suppose daddy handles that? <laughs> I didn't say, figure it out. I didn't say, hey, I've got something going on right now. I'm too busy. I will tell you, between the time I heard that blood-curdling scream, daddy, 
I was across the yard and up a tree, and I had found my way. How I did it, I don't know. I had found my way all the way to where he was and laid a hold of him and helped him out of the tree and helped him down the tree. Why? Because his earthly daddy was responsive. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things unto them who ask? Come on, give him praise this morning. You see, Daddy God responds to your cry. There are times where you don't even know how to pray. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit takes and interprets those groans. Oh! They're interpreted to the Father. Daddy knows the cry. You know, I've been amazed, I said at the beginning of this message, that the character that we have of both moms and dads comes from the character of God. That's why Paul says to the Thessalonians, as apostles, when we were among you, we were like nursing mothers, and then he says that we were like fathers. We're like both, pictures of God. But I've watched moms. Moms know what kind of cry their kid has. Oh, they're hungry. I'm like, Oh, they need changing. Ah! They're hurting. Sounded like the same cry to me. <laughs> Boy, they know the cry. That's the heart of God. That's the character and nature of God. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 18, verse 6, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From His temple, He heard my voice. My cry came before Him into his ears. Sometimes you don't even know how to pray. You don't even know what to pray. But there's this deep groaning on the inside of you. Oh. Sometimes it's just a broken heart that's crying and tears pouring out. The Bible says that that's interpreted before the Father because Daddy knows your cry, because Daddy cares about you. Daddy's concerned about what you walk through. Daddy's responsive. Second thing I want you to see here is this. That's why he says, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Interesting, that we are God's children. Not only is God, Daddy God, responsive, but Daddy God is affirming. You're not like, He doesn't call you a screw-up or a mess-up. He calls you His child. Listen, you may have behaved like a screw-up and a mess-up, you, have been, you may have really been whacked out and doing some of the most stupid thing on the planet with your life, but why does he respond to you? You're his child. You're his child. You see, even at our worst, God was chasing after us. Even when we were totally against him, he was pursuing us. That's why Paul says in, in Romans chapter 6, even when we were God's enemies... I mean, we were shaking our fist at God. We weren't going after God. 
God was pursuing us. Why? Because he looked for us. Now, I, I, I want to make this point about the, the first thing. Because God is responsive, we can have our fear dealt with. Okay, I failed to make this point. And because you, until you see him as your daddy, you'll never be free from fear. You see, if you only see him as distant God, you'll never be free from fear. There'll always be this apprehension in your life. But when you see him as daddy God, fear falls off of you. Have you ever noticed kids, when they, when they start talking about their daddy, when they start bragging about their daddy, my daddy can beat up your daddy. My daddy can take your daddy home. I'm going to tell you something. When the enemy comes along and starts lying to you and telling you what he's going to do in your life and how he's going to mess up your life, my daddy's going to take care of you. My daddy's going to deal with you. So fear falls off of us. But the second thing is this. When I have an understanding of him as my daddy, I now have belonging. I don't feel rejection anymore. I don't feel ostracized. You want to deal with the orphan spirit in your life? Have a, revel have a revelation of God is daddy. And the orphan spirit is broken in your life. In Galatians uh, chapter 4 verses 6 and 7, because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has also made you an heir. Wow. So until we see Him as Daddy... We will live with this rejection. If you, if you notice, many people in the world today, they're going after the acceptance of people. They're pursuing constantly the acceptance of people. Why? Because there's this spirit of rejection that's operating in their life. But let me tell you something. When you understand who God is and He's your daddy and that you are accepted by Him... As soon as you understand that you are accepted by Him, you don't have to pursue the acceptance of everybody else. You don't have to chase after that to make you feel like you are somebody. Why? Because you understand who you are as a part of His family. So much more that could be said about this. But there's an affirmation that comes. I will tell you, as an earthly father, we made it, I made it my, my job, Sandy and I both as parents made it our jobs to affirm our kids. One of the things that I would continually do from the time my children were little, I'd take their, fa their face in my hands and I'd look at me. This one here didn't want to, when he was little, he, he didn't like to look in your face. <laughs> And I would say, I love you. I love you. And I remember the particular day. He, he used to get stiff. 
And I remember the day that that stiffness broke. And this little guy had a revelation that his earthly daddy loved him. And he went soft. And from that moment on, he was never afraid to look at my face. And I would say, I love you. And as he got old enough to talk, he would say, I love you. I love you. Let me tell you something. There's an affirmation that comes from the daddy heart of God, the father heart of God, that you belong to him and he belongs to you. He is my God and we are his people. Hallelujah. And then lastly, daddy is generous. Daddy is generous. Notice this, it says, we're no longer a slave but a child. In that passage that I read to you earlier, it says, if we're a child, we are heirs and heirs with with." Joint heirs with Christ, heirs of God, and joint heirs with, with Jesus Christ. That's who he is. He is generous. He is generous. Because he's daddy, he's generous with me. He takes care of me. Many people live their life in fear of stuff, not having stuff. Can I tell you something? When you come to the place where you've had a full revelation of Him as Daddy God, you never live in worry or fear about not having stuff. Now, you think, well, this seems disconnected. Well, let me give you the Scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Now, Jesus is talking about worry. He's talking about worry for natural stuff. He says, so do not worry. Say, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that means people who, don't, who are not believers, who have not experienced what you and I have in Christ, for the pagans run after all these things and what? Your heavenly Father knows you, knows that you need them. You see, your heavenly Father knows, your heavenly Daddy knows that you need them. So he provides for us. He takes care of us. Quickly, let me give you three ways that we can experience. How do I know the Father heart of God? First of all, all of us need to make a choice every day. You, every day you wake up, you make choices. Make a choice. Make a choice to trust him in everything. You see, what, what happened to Chad was with the passport. It wasn't just about a passport. It was about trust. He was trusting himself, and guess what? He couldn't figure out where it was. But when he made a decision to trust Daddy, Daddy showed him where it was. Uh, I, I happen to be married to somebody who loses stuff. It's her birthday today. Not only is it my father's day, it's her birthday. She said, she's saying, be nice, be nice. But she loses stuff. And so I am so glad I know Daddy God. Because I've had to do what Chad's done. I can't tell you how many times. I can tell you story after story. But you see, all it is, it comes down to this. Am I going to trust me? Or am I going to trust Daddy? Whatever you're walking through in life, make a decision. You're going to trust Daddy. Daddy God. The second thing is make a choice to live life to all its fullness. <laughs> I love this about God. 
The Bible says this, he gives us greatly all things to what? Enjoy. If you're a miserable person, guess what? It's probably because you've not had a full understanding of who Daddy God is. When you see who God, Daddy God is, you can't help but live laughing. He's good all the time. All the time. He's what? Good. That's who God is. So when He's that way, I can enjoy the life He's given me to live. I don't have to live wrapped around the axle about everything that's going on in my world. I can live trusting Him. That's how you become like a little child. You see, you want to experience the kingdom of God, you enter it like a little child. Little children are not all wrapped around the axle about the stuff that we big people sometimes get wrapped around the axle about. They defriended me. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Number three. Learn to honor God in all circumstances. Live just a life of worship. Live a life filled with gratitude and thanksgiving and praising God for everything He's done. I want to tell you something this morning. As Justin comes, the Father heart of God is for you. God is for you. He's your daddy. He's not distant and disconnected. I'm going to ask you to stand with me across this room. I want to pray, and then I'm going to turn it over to Justin. Father, we thank you that we can call you daddy. We thank you that we can come before you today with a sense of profound thanksgiving that you accepted us and you forgave us that, Lord, everything that we've ever done or would do, every thought, every word, every action, every attitude that displeases you, that's, Lord, been disconnected from your will, purpose, you've already forgiven us in Christ, that the sin nature that we live with, this fallen humanity, has already been addressed in Christ because you're our daddy, that rejection and hurt and brokenness of lives that maybe have never experienced the fullness of who Daddy God is. That you want to reveal your love. How great the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that you would give your only Son to make me as a wretch your treasure. Thank you for being our daddy. We love you today.